Hello everybody, Matt Hardman here at the Mobile Studio with another episode of the Race Nerd Podcast here on CKCC Radio. I am doing this hands-free to be safe on the roads on my journey to work on this Wednesday morning uh, where we will be talking about Hotlanta, the three races at the Mile and a Half Super Speedway just seems weird saying mile and a half super speedway now um but we'll talk about atlanta we'll talk about the news that came out over um an iconic number returning with the driver that made it famous uh, we'll also talk about uh some sponsorship news like the return of a longtime sponsor um to nascar from the 80s and 90s. We'll also talk about Noah Gregson be reunited with one of his Xfinity Series sponsors and so much more. So let's just dive in. We'll talk about Atlanta. Uh, the Truck Series race uh, would run the first half of a double header on Saturday as Trucks and the Xfinity Series both had their qualifying uh sessions rained out, so they were set by their their points, um, their little points formula that they have, but in the end we would see Derek, uh, not Derek Krause, uh, apologies, uh, we would see Christian Eckes, um, who took over for Derek Krause this season in the number 19 Napa Auto Care Chevrolet, pick up his first win of the season. And the first win from McAnally Racing, uh, McAnally-Hillerman Racing to be exact. Uh, this is the team that longtime Winston West team owner Bill McAnally um, started a few years ago moving up to the Truck Series after running almost forever in the Winston West Series where he is a multi-time um, championship um team owner. He moved up there a few years ago, and this is his first, this is their first season with Chevrolet, so it's already paid off dividends, and really good to see Christian Eckes win. Um, I've been following him since his ARCA days, and he's a great little talent. Uh, Like I said, second career win. I'm really happy for that. Uh, Good showing for the trucks. I will will honestly say that. Good showing for the trucks. Um, while I did not watch either of the Saturday races, um, I did I did kind of follow along on them. Um, not to be outdone, we would have the Xfinity Series, and this is where the big news of the weekend came on just so many parts. Um, Austin Hill picks up his third win in five races in the number 21 Bennett. Uh, transportation Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing. Uh, Austin Hill has just come right out of the box this year. Really strong. Uh, he won at Daytona. He won at Las Vegas. And now he wins at Atlanta. Um, but he almost did not win as there were three other drivers trying to steal that win. And um, they all had total in the Xfinity Series, the same amount of wins that Hill had coming into this race, 
this season. Um, as Parker Kligerman, who was searching for his first Xfinity Series win uh, in the number 48 Big Machine Spiked Coolers Chevrolet for Scott Porchetta and Big Machine Racing was looking uh, to pull off the upset. Got spun around while trying to um, get alongside Austin Hill. He would finish fourth, backwards across the start-finish line. Uh, Daniel Hemrick, the 2021 series champion, uh, finished second. His best run uh, since the 2021 Phoenix race, where he picked up his lone series win in the win that actually clinched him the championship. Uh, and Ryan Truex, uh, brother of Martin Truex Jr., uh, would finish third in his best career run in the Xfinity Series as the two-time East Series champ. Um, and just looking to finally break through the win column uh, for Jim Gibbs Racing. But, all that, while that was all exciting at the end of the race, all the news was talked about halfway through the race. Um, there was an incident halfway through the race involving Josh Williams of um, DGM Racing in the number 42 full car uh, Chevrolet. Uh, he would get some damage, and the bear bomb that was used to put the car back together during the caution would come off at a point in the race. NASCAR agreed to uh, put out a thing to for Josh to park the car uh, that he was done for the day under NASCAR's damaged vehicle policy. Um, Josh did that, just not in the way NASCAR would have liked as he parked the car under caution on the apron at the start-finish line, gave a peace sign, and walked across the front stretch of grass to the garage. Josh did this as a, um, a act of defiance in um, their call on the damaged vehicle policy. Um, at that point, Kenny Powers left the building and went straight for the NASCAR Hall. Ordered to the NASCAR hauler along with his team owner Mario Goslin, a, uh, a former racer and turned team owner, and his crew chief. Now, I'm not going to condone um, Josh's actions, but I do sense where they are coming from. Usually, with these Davis vehicle policy things, they as they black flag you until you get your car fixed. Um, but to go as far as parking a driver for something that is simple as bear bond does kind of seem like a bullshit move by NASCAR and them. Um, Josh will end up uh, being suspended from one race. Uh, that's actually kind of why I waited on this. Josh is suspended for uh, this upcoming weekend's events at Circuit of the Americas. Alex LeBay will be taking his place, the Canadian driver, uh, who is, has run for DGM in the past, 
Graham has a, a relationship with the team. He will be filling in that spot. Now, when this all happened and Josh tweeted out why he parked the car there, Denny Hamlin was the first driver to come to his defense and say that um, he would offer to pay his fine. Well, Denny knows a thing about fines or two. <laughs> so when, when I saw the tweet saying that Denny, Denny would pay uh, whatever fine he got, uh, William Scott, that uh, I, I chuckled because I'm like, yeah, they probably still got Denny's uh, bank information right there on file from his, um, his massive fines that he's got through the years, including the one he got last weekend, which, will, which I'll dive into in a few minutes here. Um, because that story just gets a little more ridiculous. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, Josh Williams will be suspended. It, it does raise a point about NASCAR's damage vehicle policy. Um, it was a ball and strike call on whether they could have um, assessed a time penalty, a lap penalty, or a... Um, parking big car. Now, this was bare bond. This wasn't sheet metal coming on the track. This wasn't um, oil or anything else coming back on the track. Any kind of fluid that would have taken a whole lot to clean up. This is bare bond, which is 200 mile hour tape or whatever they call it. Um, it really it really wasn't that egregious a, a mess for a NASCAR to clean up and throw the caution uh, Well to clean up, um, it just was not a, a mess, um, I think that NASCAR's overreaction to that, um, would have been different, I don't think that Josh would have parked his car had it been a lap penalty or a time penalty, I don't think that would have been an issue, um, I have not listened to Josh's comments on, um, podcast door bumper clear where he was a guest on I had actually not listened to the the comments from Denny Hamlin and make his take on that uh, now this is I won't say this is fully unprecedented because uh, Kyle Bush did this a few years ago um, after a race he, he parked his car um, on pit road at the entrance from pit road to the garage uh, parked his car and walked away. Now, this Kyle got a, a fine in points, I believe, um, but no suspension. A uh, major difference between those two is Kyle's car, while it was parked at the entrance to pit lane in the garage, it was not on the actual racing surface. Now, this situation, I, I think this does warrant a penalty, um, and I, I'm not going to disagree with the suspension, um, because anytime you park your car like that on the track while cars are even at caution speed, um, that is still very, extremely dangerous, not very dangerous, extremely dangerous, and, um, it certainly could have, um, tragic results for his car, well, not just his car, but for other drivers on the track hitting his car, uh, had they not known it's there, 
or um, with him walking across the grass like that, that could have been tragic for him. I mean, we've seen um, those of us, you know, we all we all know the story of Kevin Ward, the situation with him walking across the track, and unfortunately, he was um, hit by another competitor under caution and killed. Um, so. You know, we could have had something like that happen. There, there could have been so many things that it could have happened that could have turned bad. Um, so I do agree with the suspension. Um, I do really do believe that this turns a, um, a... There's not just an eye on Josh for this. You know, this certainly got Josh a lot of attention. His sponsor a lot of attention and everything else. Um... But I truly believe that this actually uh, should put a, um, a cast a shadow on NASCAR's damaged fuel po uh, vehicle policy, the DVP policy, because not only is, um, is it open-ended on what the penalties can be, um, and they take it on a case-by-case -case basis, um, what it is and all. But I think that not only have we seen favoritism with some of this, like a larger team would have just got a lap penalty or a or a time penalty. And this and uh, DGM Racing, um, Josh's team, is one of the smaller teams in the garage. So I think that that was kind of the death knell uh, for um, for the '92 car in that race. Um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out the rest of the season, but. At the same time, I think that this, uh, you know, we're talking bear bond. Bear bond really is not even in the same category in my eyes as dropping um, fluid on the track, whether it be um, coolant or um, or um, or oil or any of that you know, creating an even bigger mess under caution to clean up. So I really, I, I don't understand where they were going with that. Why such a penalty? And not only that, I also think that they, that we shouldn't have a damaged vehicle policy. Um, I think that what should happen is if you're caught leaking parts on the track or whatever, you take the car back to the garage, you work on it until it's done. I think that unnecessarily um, you know parking cars which can be fixable outside of that seven minute window um, that's a little ridiculous I know NASCAR is up the window I think it used to be uh, actually I think on the cup side I think they moved it up to 10 minutes but overall you know that short period of time you can't fix something like that uh, to get it on track. I know it has to be on track within that time and up to race speed. Now, like I said, this was a bare bond issue. Um, I'm not really 100% um, sure on why they did that, but like I said, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous that we're even talking about this, um, but, you know, Josh's actions brought it up. Now, 
there's certain things that I've never agreed with, uh, the damaged vehicle policy, their new qualifying procedure, which we saw in the Xfinity and uh, truck series races, but it's NASCAR's world, we just live in it, and um, we just got to accept it. Now, Josh is very accepting of the penalty. He said he would not have done anything different, you know, now knowing that he's got uh, this one race suspension, there's even t-shirts online now um, that Josh and his marketing team and the race team have put out uh, featuring Josh walking across the lawn and the damaged car. Um, and uh, I, I think it's, I think it's kind of hilarious uh, that the man with the best mullet in the sport free flowing across the uh, infield grass flashing a peace sign and a heart sign is just kind of funny. Um, I love it. It was probably one of the, while well, it does raise a good point, it was one of the funnier stories to actually come out of the race weekend. Uh, moving on, we had the Cup Series race. Um, the Joey Logano show, as Joey Logano started on the pole, led the most laps, and picked up the win, but he had to, he had to fight a former teammate in Brad Kozlowski. Uh, for the win uh, as Brad, who through pit strategy and all, had picked up the lead late in the race and um, was hoping to hold off his um, the man he recruited to Penske Racing during Brad's tenure there, uh, Joey Logano. And uh, I, was, I was hoping for Keselowski. We had a good run for Bad Brad. Would finish in the top 10. Another good run for Corey LaJoy, who seems to love this super speedway package of Atlanta. He finishes fourth in a race that he almost won a year ago um, before being put into the wall on a late race restart. And um, it, it was it was a good race. Um, we saw a lot of it was heavy on the Fords. Kevin Harvick led some laps. Eric Amarola was leading before he blew a tire, and him and uh, Kyle Larson uh, were involved in a wreck at that point. Um, so we had a lot of good racing, a lot of a strong showing by the Ford camp. Uh, so um, we have all that, and then some. Um, also, we've got, you know everything else um, to go along with that. Uh, we we also got some news to talk about as we head into the week of Circuit of the Americas. We've got the news that the iconic number, the 29, the number that Kevin Harvick drove for Richard Childress Racing um, after the passing of Dale Earnhardt um, with the three being retired for some years. Um, Kevin Harvick will be reunited with the number nine car, uh, the number 29 car, excuse me, for the all-star race at North Wilkesboro. He will not only be running the 29 car, but he will be running the same paint scheme design, um, minus good wrench being replaced by, obviously, a GM product being replaced by Bush Light. Kevin's uh, primary sponsor in 2023. 
will be on the car, and they will be running the same design that Kevin won his first of 60 races with at North Wilkesboro, the Kevin's first win coming at Atlanta, where he beat um, Earnhardt's longtime frenemy and rival, uh, Jeff Gordon, by mere feet in a race that was very reminiscent of the year prior's spring Atlanta race, where Earnhardt beat Bobby Labonte by mere feet. Um, I thought this is great. Um, I'm going to love the the opportunity to see it in person at North Wilkesboro. I'm extremely excited to see Kevin give the 29 one last ride because uh, um, while he's been extremely successful in his jump to Stuart Haas racing, uh, what he was able to do in a 29 car, um, both from a record book standpoint um, with his multiple wins, his... Um, his 2007 Daytona 500 win, uh, all all that it, it all pales on what it did for the sport with Kevin coming in and winning at Atlanta his third race, his third race. Remember that. I don't believe in numerology, but his third race after taking over what was originally the three car, just renumbered, taking over for. Um, Dale Earnhardt and I think that that was that was a not only an iconic sport in the history of Atlanta Motor Speedway I think that was one of those watershed moments for NASCAR in um, the Cup Series just helped everybody kind of get over uh, the passing of the Intimidator and, and lifted the spirits of a lot of fans, myself included. I got a little lump in my throat while reminiscing on that. So I, I'm, I'll be excited uh, on that. Um, I figured that they would kind of say that paints, at least the paint scheme, not quite the number, but say the paint scheme for, um, for the Darlington throwback race, um, which they are still holding in May, just a few weeks before. Uh, the all-star race, but I, I was extremely excited for that. Now, um, another thing I'm excited for is Daniel Suarez will be driving the big Q with Quaker State returning for a four-race deal. Uh, Quaker State, which had been in the sport, we've seen him as a co-sponsor on uh, the Menards Fords of Ryan Blaney and Austin Sindrick in recent years. Um, and for a few races here or there with their partnership with the Hendrick uh, dealerships um, being featured on uh, Mark Martin and Casey Kane's cars back about 10, 11 years ago. But they have not been a full primary sponsor uh, for for quite a number of years, going back to King Racing, the uh, NHRA Hall of Famer Kenny Bernstein's uh, race team, which had won races with Brett Bodine and Ricky Rudd. Um, they were very big at that point, and um, it, it's good to see the Q back. Um, I know that they are, I believe they're now all owned by the Shell Group. But it, it's really good to see Quaker State back. I've always loved that green car. And 
Uh, my first piece of actual racing memorabilia uh, was not a collectible like a die cast or whatever. It was a um, Quaker State racing hat from like 1989-1990. I still have pictures of it um, at my first job when I was 13 wearing that hat. Um, so I my 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 love for seeing Quaker State on a car is undeniable, and I can't wait for it. Uh, another sponsor returning, Noah Gregson, will be reunited with Black Rifle Coffee, as Black Rifle will pick up four races with him as well. Um, Black Rifle was one of the co-sponsors on his Bass Pro Shop Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports the last couple of years, uh, as Bass as Black Rifle is sold at both um, Cabela's, which Bass Pro Shops now owns, and Bass Pro Shops itself. Um, I'm actually currently wearing a Black Rifle hoodie, um, which I picked up at a Cabela, so I do know that for a fact, but Black Rifle will be returning uh, for four races with Noah, and this isn't their first go-around for the team that is now known as Legacy Motor Club as they were a part-time sponsor last year, part-time primary sponsor for Ty Dillon in the same number 42 car. Dillon, who also has a connection with Bass Pro Shops, going back to his grandfather, Richard Childress. Uh, so it, it's just nice to see that Black Rifle is staying around the sport. Obviously, um, there's been other coffee companies, um, Black Rifle was also on Travis Pastrana's car in the Daytona 500, so uh, I'm looking forward to this. And this car is pretty sharp. If you haven't seen it, go over to jski.com and um, go through their paint schemes page. You can find all these paint schemes. Um, big shout out to Jayski um, and the crew over there because uh, they, they've been really keeping up on the paint schemes and whatnot. Um, and uh, this is where I first saw this before I even saw it come across Instagram or Facebook or whatever. I, I really dig this car. The black and the orange and the yellow. Um, it's really cool. Um, other news, uh, Denny Hamlin has decided, uh, has changed his mind on appealing his penalty. He will appeal his penalty for his comments that he made on his uh, podcast actions detrimental, which is what NASCAR put in the rule book for Denny's little outburst um, on his podcast, where he admitted to intentionally wrecking uh, rival Ross Chastain at Phoenix. Um, NASCAR originally just viewed it as a racing incident, you know, no harm, no foul, until Denny had opened his mouth. Initially, he said he wasn't going to um, dispute the penalty, but he has um, decided that he will that he will um, dispute it and um, hope to get it lessened. I think I think there was a point there that Denny was trying to make uh, with this, and that is that um, while the fine is harsh, you know he's kind of testing the limits of free speech when it comes to that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm sure Denny's got some comments on, on his podcast this week, uh, where he'll, where he, I'm sh he, I know he's already talked about the, the Josh Williams thing. I just have not listened to it yet. Uh, so 
we move on to Circuit of the Americas, where we will see Kimi Rackadin and Jensen Button, two former F1 champions, uh, compete in um, Kimi Indy number 91 Trackhouse Racing uh, Project 91 car. Uh, this is the first race for them this season, um, but Justin Marks has said that he will um, compete the 91 car in many other races this year. The, all the road courses, I know Sebastian Vettel at one point had been linked to running at Watkins Glen, another F1 legend. Uh, but this is a car that is set up for international drivers from different racing disciplines uh, to, um, to compete. Uh, names that have come up other than Vettel is possibility of Helio Castro Neves competing. Um, I know there was the possibility of him competing at the road course at Indy, which I would be super excited to see uh, Spider-Man uh, compete there because Helio's energy is off the charts. Um, other names possibly Juan Pablo Montoya. Um, there were a couple of EMSA drivers who I heard their names mentioned. So you never know whose name can pop up with that ride. Uh, so anyway, that is the news for the week. Um, I will be back next week to talk about Circuit of the Americas, which I am excited for for the first time since the track debuted and, um, on the circuit. And, uh, I'll have all the news on that and we'll see how the F1 Legends uh, follow up with their first um, race of the season and um, the fall, the continued fallout of the Hendrick penalties and whatnot as they are set to go up for appeal. Uh, until then, I'm Matt Hardman and I will see you at the track.